smaller than yesterday. Is it possible? He's down three ounces. That much. It's good you're here. rough so far, but I need you to fight, okay? I need you to fight now. If you fight now, I promise you that I will fight for you for the rest of your life. everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Lost in Space. Today we'll be covering the fifth episode from Lost in Space titled Transmission. Not the car transmission either. Uh, (laughs) But before we jump into our top five of this week's episode, we're first going to get a word from this week's sponsor, BZRK Audio. Oh, Rima, like, you know, you have a kid, right? And, you know, they're growing up and it's like, oh, my gosh, like they're just not going to sleep. I need to have some sultry sounds, like some good sounds, good music to kind of ease them into a sleep. Well, BZRK Audio saved the day for me. So my kiddo was having trouble sleeping, threw him in the car, drove a lap around the building, nice. had some sweet sounds playing, knocked him right out to go to sleep. And what did BZRK Audio do for me? It's their audio tweeters. So these audio tweeters are a great upgrade for your stock speakers, and they extend the upper mid-range response, and it adds clarity and detail to voices, strings, horns, and more. I mean, if you're playing that Australian group, what's, I can't remember what their name is now, the ones that bounce around and sing all the time. The Wiggles. Yes, I think it's the Wiggles. I don't know. Anyway, any kind of kid stuff even helps. So if you want to upgrade your car stereo for a very, very reasonable price, check out bzrkaudio.com. You can look find these things on Amazon and eBay. So just make sure you go to BZRK Audio and you go berserk. Awesome. Thanks, BZRK. Thanks, guys. Sweet. All right. Well, that will lead us into our top five. But first... Uh, what did you think of the episode in general? I liked it. Um, it's the fifth episode. Again, I still kind of get the feel that I like watching this show, but it's not like the Netflix show where it's like you feel like you have to keep going to the next episode. Right. And it still kind of teeters on some episodes are self-contained. Some are kind of like leading to like more. I feel like this. they're kind of drawing it out a little bit. Yes. Um, still good. Still like it. But just, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious how this next five episodes are going to go. Yeah, it's like it's a, you know, I'm enjoying the show. I, I, I do enjoy it for sure. But it doesn't seem to have, at least for me, and, and I mean, there are, I'm sure some folks that are enjoying either binging or watching, you know, one, two, three, four episodes maybe at a time. Um, but it definitely, to me, feels like while I am interested to see what happens next, it doesn't quite seem like that binge type show where you're like oh my god i gotta sit here and i'm gonna watch the next one and then before you know it you've wiped out the whole season in a day or day and a half or something yeah and this seems perfect for like that that show that you watch on a thursday like oh yeah it's thursday that show's on in 10 minutes i'm gonna watch that yeah it absolutely. Has that feel to me 
Yeah, like um, instead of a, you know, because like all the Netflix shows, they release them all, like Orange is the New Black and this one and all of them, they release them all at once. And I thought that like Hulu did that too. Have have you watched The Handmaid's Tale? I haven't. I've heard uh, like a lot about it, but I've never seen it. It's really good things. Uh, Really, really good things on that show. I would um, recommend it to everyone, but make sure you listen to us first and watch Lost in Space. Um, (laughs) But but they release that show once a week. They they haven't. They don't release them all at once. It gets released once a week whenever the season is out. I mean, I guess once it's over, they're all available on Hulu to watch. But um, and you can go and binge it if you prefer. But they release it week by week. So this is what this kind of reminds me of. I don't really know what's better or worse. I mean. With binging, I'm not a binger, so this works out fine for me because even Mm -hmm. shows that, like Westworld's out right now, Mm -hmm. I'm like three weeks behind on Westworld, and a lot of cool stuff I've heard has been happening, but it's just kind of that time thing where even if it's available to me, I usually kind of wait, not just even from our show, but just time and everything, so I'm not the demographic for binging. Well, and I don't mind a good binge session. I just don't seem to find the time. I have so many shows now you know, to watch and things that, you know, either podcasting on or just other things. And there's this long list of shows that I'm watching. It's like, I don't really have time to sit in a day and binge. So I can watch maybe a couple episodes, can't binge. Anyway, that kind of got us off on a tangent. Um, I'm sure everyone appreciates our little discussion about binge watching. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into our top five. I'll kick us off this week um, with our top five. And man, I have mine scattered. I have them all numbered, but they are not in order. So I'm going to be jumping around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My number five is um, Maureen's Mission. So I, I was curious to get your thoughts about her mission and her decision to go off on her own. Because she she's telling John that the sun is rising earlier every day. And while, yeah, that can be a great thing, weather change, kind of like it is here on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do like it when the sun comes up a little bit earlier. It stays in the sky a little bit longer uh, because yep. that means warm weather. However, I guess the rate is not a good thing, at least if the same laws, which I don't know any of these laws of physics or claim to know any of these. I didn't look them up either, Um, but she says it's not a good thing. So I'm curious what you think about her going out on her own. I'm kind of surprised that being on this this planet that they're on is still pretty unknown. Yeah, right. this this ties in my number two I called like the simulation because that's what the episode starts out with. You see her kind of run into the simulation and... The first thing I thought was uh, like, oh, crap, the sun's going to crash into the the planet they're on. The mm-hmm. star that they have is going to crash into the planet. And then quickly they kind of start talking about like, oh, no, like we got to build this lighthouse and all that yada yada. I'm like, oh, OK, maybe that's what it was. So even that kind of like, you know, snake tailed into like di- or fish tailed into different directions. And it kind of took me a bit to like, oh, OK, no, there's actually something happening here. But I mean, she's the scientist. I- I'm guessing there's other scientists in this group. And I feel like this is a pretty important thing that you'd want everybody to, or at least, you know, the main people in this group to kind of team up a little bit to understand, like, okay, I, I something's not right here. You know, I've got a hypothesis. Let's get two or three scientists together, do this experiment so we can kind of fact check each other and kind of, you know, make sure that we're looking at this the right way. Right. And if it is an issue, because, like, if that sun's going to, like, turn the temperature from habitable to you know, boiling lobster, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you're, you're going to have to change your plans pretty quick. You're going to have to get some of those ships to the capability of getting you out of there. 
Exactly. Yeah, I I was curious about that. I know she probably didn't want to send anyone in a panic. Everyone seemed to have a good purpose and focus as far as wanting to um, somehow signal the resolute and let them know where they were um, and get some help. So I know that, you know, and everybody seemed needed to, you know, had a job to do and needed to work. So I know that she, one, didn't want to panic people and also, you know, felt she could do it on her own. But I thought, man, you know, she almost bit it out there. And a couple times. Yeah. So it's like, does anyone, she didn't tell John where she was going. She just said, I got to go do this. So did they have any way to track her? Does she have anything either on her person? Is the chariot trackable? I mean, uh, they have some pretty advanced uh, yeah. technology, but. I'd assume so. Well, well, I mean, you think today, how do we track things? GPS. There's no GPS satellites. Find my iPhone. So, yeah. <laughs> Find a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually you have to have a second phone and be like, all right, I lost my phone. Call it. <laughs> right. Wait, it's on silent? Why'd you put it on silent? Well, I didn't want to bother anybody at the grocery store. That's not a movie theater, Sean. That's why I just don't even put mine on silent anymore. Mine will blare because I was, I had my dogs out. It's going to piss people off. I'm going off on another tangent. It was, it was No, they love tangents. They, (laughs) they, we had some crazy trees in our yard, so leaves everywhere at this time it was getting dark was taking my dogs out one more time for the evening had my phone in my pocket uh, I was running with my dogs to the house and you know playing with them and stuff getting them some energy it was always our tradition to run to the porch and stuff mm. and boop there went my phone I get in the house and I'm looking for it oh no and couldn't find it anywhere it was dark and I and and oh. there's leaves everywhere oh my gosh what a nightmare had to like go get my neighbor I'm like can you call my phone he's like what <laughs> I was home alone. There was no one there to help me. Kid was at school. Um, there was Wasn't no one around to help me. Wasn't a single neighbor, was it? He's like, dude, like seriously, if you want my number. <laughs> I know, I know, right? No, definitely, he was not single. He was he he's married with a whose kid was the same age as like my kid. So no, nothing, nothing like that. But I was like, this is gonna sound really stupid. But I need you to call my phone. And you know, that's actually a good ploy if you get to be at a Walker Stalker or some kind of con with <laughs> David Harbor. <laughs> Be like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Harbor. I totally lost my number. Here it is. Can you call it so I can find yeah, it, please? I lost oh, it. there it is. It's in my pocket. Oh, silly me. Yeah. So <laughs> I, <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. I just thought there were a couple things that I had issues with that just seemed to be slightly. I don't know. And like I said, I could be just off track, but I just felt like some of it was kind of irresponsible how she was going off on her own. How the hell was anyone going to find her? Like I said, maybe I'm just need to assume that they have a way to find her. Um, and then she, she gets this, like, I'm going to call it like a hot air balloon. Cause that's essentially that's what, what I it, call it yeah. looked like. I don't know that that's what it was, but it was like this hot air balloon that literally took her out of the planet's atmosphere. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I'm always willing to be forgiving and suspend my disbelief in some shows because it's sci-fi, it's fun, and I don't like to be like a party pooper about it or anything, but I'm just like, you can't do that. Like in That's Earth, a lot of weight. It's like, why don't you just have like a rocket pack? I know. Well, and then like she, so it doesn't, sh- like, so she does her thing, the experiment, um, I don't even know that we found out the result of that, right? Did we? I think at the end she was still in the air and it was like radiation warning. That's what yeah. we got. So we don't really know, like, is it the solar, are there solar flares that they're in danger of? Is it like you said, is the sun getting too close to that planet and there's going to be some sort of catastrophe? I don't know. So I don't know that we even learned exactly what that danger was. Maybe we will next episode. But we don't see her go back into the atmosphere and I'm like, Dude, there is a re-entry. You burn on re-entry. Yeah. <laughs> Have 
you not well, maybe, watched a space maybe shuttle? Maybe because it's the hot air, it'll sl- it'll slowly take her down, just like a regular hot air balloon. Maybe I just had a hard time buying that whole thing. I just had trouble with it. Like I said, there's some things I can really kind of let go, but I thought, man, this does not seem responsible to be going one off on your own, nearly getting killed twice, going out into space on your own. What if what if something a, a random asteroid or something came flying by and took oh, yeah, out that hot air balloon and she just poop plummets or gets swept off into space? Well, I mean, we saw her almost get taken off the cliff with the wind. Right. That just happened to to happen at the wrong time, but you know, it is kind of a I don't know if it's selfish, but it's definitely not really very responsible because like let's say let's say she's right and let's say she goes up there and she died from radiation poisoning or she died on the cliff or something happened mm-hmm. and she discovered that hey we've got like 10 days that we have to get off this planet if something happened to her she just killed everybody essentially because she right. didn't warn them at all she's the only one that knows this information yeah. she didn't have anyone with her to back up this information or to tell it to um, so I don't know. I just had a hard time buying some of that. And I just thought, man, that maybe was not the smart. I mean, it worked out, but it, it maybe wouldn't have. So anyway, that's my number five. I just had a small gripe about that portion. What's your number five? Yeah. Um, I'll take on a little bit to that. Cause this is my number two. Okay. Um, and I, like I said, I called it the simulation. So I'm just making sure I don't have any other, um, Let's see. Yeah, just sunrise and early. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had tied to it. Cool. Um, her little simulation program was pretty cool, though. I really it was. liked that. It was. But again, like you think of that computing power that you're potentially wasting and everything with the energy you have. But um, but yeah. But to my number five, then, I, you know, we got a great movie coming out in a couple weeks. June 22nd, I think. I think we got a little preview of it in this episode, Rima. <laughs> I really like the fact that we got to see some Jurassic World action in this episode. Yes! You know, they got this, uh, oh, and uh, Dr. Smith, you know, totally knew what to do here because she saw, like, they they kind of, you know, in the cold open, they showed that these giant monsters, I don't know what you call them, like giant alien iguanas. Right. They're like, I don't know, they're more violent, like they like moss, but, you know, they were trying to eat other people too, it seemed like, but. You know, she turns off all their uh, fencing and this thing wanders in and, uh, you know, we get a really cool kind of situation here. I don't know if you got this, but I call it Jurassic World because I really got the sense of like the raptors or the T-Rex from like the first Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, as she's hiding in the tent, you kind of hear the sounds of it breathing against it. Very similar to the raptor. Very much. Uh, But... Yeah, so this whole thing kind of happens. You see Dr. Smith kind of playing the whole situation, kind of being the puppeteer of it, convincing Will to call the robot in, so then everybody gets to see the robot. Um, Again, we get to see John pull off his badass dad mode. Yes, with his little knife. Yeah, he's like, you see this knife? (laughs) And he was like, when it charged, he was standing there. like He was going to kill it. He was. He's going to try anyway. And I like, so it's really interesting because with, with some of the characters, they seem to like really don't make them... Very believable. John seems like a believable character because, you know, in the moment they're like, we should run. In a comedic TV show, they, they would turn around and run or something would happen and they turn around and run. But he said what you should do in those situations. Like if, if you're being stalked by a bear, unless it's a grizzly, if it's a grizzly bear, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. But most bears, it's like, you know, they say you stand tall and you try to scare it off because most bears don't like most predators don't really want to have to like fight something to to get food like they try to find something weaker 
Right. Except like a grizzly bear. A grizzly bear doesn't give a fuck. They, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. But they're, but you can't, I mean, you don't want to run because they're going to catch you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can run pretty fast, so they're going to I've, catch you. I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but like most bears, they say like play dead, things like that, and they'll leave you alone. It always comes back to like grizzly bears are like, yeah, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just saw a video of a guy in Alaska, I think, and he's at a stream fishing and this grizzly bear just wanders up next to him, like oh. no care in the world, just like standing there, like Zero nothing Fs. between them. <laughs> and just kind of stands there. And then, then the bear sits, kind of looks at him for a little bit. It's like a good like three, four minute video. Oh my gosh. And then the bear's like, okay, gets up, kind of starts walking towards him and kind of like wanders a little bit close. The guy's like, hey, 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 <laughs> like just walks off. <laughs> wow. That dude should like go buy uh, a lottery yeah. ticket or something. <laughs> I mean, you see some of those videos, and that's, I mean, it's similar to this. It's just kind of like nature's out there to get you. Like, nature wants to eat you. That's its, its main goal. That's why we don't go um, in the water, right? Oh, yeah. Sharks. I saw, okay, another thing. I saw a video <laughs> of an underwater droid, and they were basically using these to kind of see sharks. And there's a video of one where it's f- kind of following this great white shark, and it's kind of, you know, the, the underwater droid is stationary. And you see the great white shark kind of like swimming by it, and it kind of starts swimming towards it. And it goes into, like, attack mode. And oh, so it's yeah. probably, like, 15 feet away and just, like, does, like, a quick turn and it's, like, right on the camera. And the caption is, like, this is what it would be like to be attacked by a shark. Nope. Like, nope. Click. Nope. I've seen Jaws. I know what it's like oh, to be yeah. attacked by a shark. I know all I need to know. <laughs> those, I mean, that's, like, we were just talking to her, like, those videos get you down weird rabbit holes where it's, like, hey. They do. People just survive a bear attack. You're, like, oh, goodness. Click. Got to watch that. If you like this video, watch this yeah. one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I agree. That that was a, a super cool. I'm glad you brought up Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. You're speaking my language because there ain't nothing I like more than dinosaurs. Kind of feel a little bit bad for those creatures, just a little bit. Just because they did remind me, remind me of dinosaurs, so I kind of felt bad a little bit. But um, hey, they were getting ready to attack people, so... Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, like you think about the world we live in, I think survival of the fittest is, you know, it's still a thing, but because we've evolved so much and kind of like tamed the planet, like we have a little bit more respect for animals. I think you'd have to be very, very careful when you go to these other planets and you do that because if you're like, oh, well, we have to have respect for the animals. Like, yeah, true, but you've kind of entered a whole different world of survival of the fittest, you know, animal food chain. Mm-hmm. If you have respect for the animals, that's good. That's great. But you also have to kind of like walk with a big stick because yeah. if you don't, you're you're going to end up to being the first person eaten by these alien things. No kidding. Well, and there's been no time to study the, you know, plant life, the animal life, you know, to, to know, you know, okay, is this like a herbivore or a carnivore, you know, and study its habits and kind of get to know it. Like we've been able to study all of Earth's you know, creatures and get to know them and know the dangers and, mm. and how to protect yourself or something. But, um, I didn't even think you know. about that, like plants and stuff. Like, you know, we've developed over centuries what plants are good and what are bad. Mm-hmm. And in this world, you have no clue. You like, don't know. If I touch this, will, I, will my far- arm fall off? You know? Yeah. Or- they could like emit some type of like vapor poison yeah. stuff. Or if you eat something, um, <laughs> You know, we've seen some cool flowers, like the the clapping flowers, you know, that were super cool when they were clapping that last episode when they were walking to the cave. That was super <laughs> like cool. like the Oregon Trail, like you touch something, it's like, you died of dysentery. 
Uh, the, only, the only other thing that I thought was weird in this was as the Robinsons were finally getting away when they, when the robot gets called back, the the other family is like just sta- sitting behind like these big crates and they're like, oh, over here, over here. And my first thought is like, yeah, over here, right in the open where these monsters can still get to you. <laughs> I know. Like, that? no, we're running to a ship. We're going to safety. We're getting the hell out of here. We're not going to hide behind a plastic yeah. table. <laughs> that just kind of, you know. It With a light like a, shining on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that just kind of seemed like, like, okay, we need these people outside still to see this. Like, this seemed kind of like, okay, riders have to get this thing going so they see this robot. Right. But, yeah, I yeah. Feel... That that's my number five is just Jurassic World. Love it. I had the same thoughts. I didn't call it that, but I was like, it looked like dinosaurs. I love me some dinosaurs. Awesome. Okay, so my number four, kind of short and sweet, because I still don't know what to think about this guy. Um, is this? Pre- I'm calling him the president. I know that's not his title in this show, but I can't really think of an appropriate title for him, so I'm just calling him the president. Um, of Alpha Centauri. We got to see a little bit more of him and his interaction. I think he's a bit of an asshole. What are you thinking? I mean, what's uh, your opinion? I mean, honestly, this is this is a situation where being a leader would be extremely difficult. And it sounds like they've injected a little bit of politics into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, right away, like half the people in one of those, uh, when the Robinsons were driving... They're talking about this guy, and they're like, oh, well, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. You know, sometimes, and it's tough because, like, he did come up with a really good idea for the lighthouse thing, which I right. think would have worked. Yes. And, and I hope, and I hate whenever they have the, the cliche of, like, the leader is a power-hungry person. Like, he doesn't seem power-hungry, at least in these few episodes. Mm-hmm. He may be over his head, but, I mean, this is probably his first time in a position like this. Right. So it's very believable that he'd be over his head. But, you know, John does seem like a better leader person that could run this type of thing because he's run military missions and things like that. So he has leadership experience in very stressful situations. But the one thing the president's doing, I say, we'll say, we'll call him the president of Lost in Space. <laughs> Just so, like, we don't get quoted out of context. Right. This is not a political show. This is not a political show. Don't come here for your <laughs> politics, please. Uh, unless it's lost in space, then we'll totally go for it. But, uh, but I, again, just I, I don't know if he's probably been prepared for this. So, but I hope they don't play it up to a situation of like he's a like you said a little bit earlier. He's a power hungry. He's a bad leader. He's going to make bad mistakes, um, and then he's going to like fight for that position and backstab somehow to keep it. You know, it. it Kind of, you know, with this episode, it seemed like they're setting the stage for, like, he's going to do something stupid. He's going to be like, no, this is what I want. It's my rule or no rule. Mm-hmm. Something will happen. And you're going to have that moment where he's like, John Robinson, you should be the leader <laughs> because I'm awful. I bow down to your wisdom. Yeah, um, yeah. He Well, and I don't know if this guy has any type of advisors or people who are just, it seems like he's got a bunch of yes men you know, surrounding him. And he was barking at everyone, even his own kid. And it's like, you know, dude, it's a pretty high stressful situation that everybody's in. It's not just your own. And I get that it's tough to like remain calm and stuff. He just didn't seem to have other than like, oh, we're going to build this. We're calling it the lighthouse, I guess, um, you know, to, to signal the resolute. But other than that, it seems like John keeps coming up with these solutions to the problems. Like he's just like, 
expecting everyone else to do it. And he doesn't seem to be a very good thinker on his own. Like, how did he even get elected? So I don't know. I just don't really like how he's coming across, across maybe with John's influence or maybe he'll have John be one of his advisors or something mm. to help, you know, you know, come up with these good solutions and to, and to be calm. Like, you know, OK, so, yeah, we have this problem. Why don't you just go do this? And OK, problem solved. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting with this because I, I know like most I, I think of this like in a management aspect, like if you if you're a manager at a you know certain level at, a, a, at an organization. Mm hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen. You're like, okay, well, nobody's going to die. Like, you know, if you work in the medical field or things like that, like you can't have that attitude. But in a lot of places, it's like, okay, nothing's happened. It's not the end of the world. In this situation, like time is valuable. If people screw up or people don't think through things, lives are kind of at stake. And uh, I know like you could be like, well, he was kind of a dick to his kid, which I don't think I would do that. And maybe he's a little too harsh, but... You know, if his son was, like, doing something, it's like, dude, like, we've talked about this. You should understand this. It's, like, just just think through it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a little bit more tough love. Um, You know, in this, like, if there is a time I think that it seems somewhat appropriate, it would be, like, this this type of scenario. You're on a planet. Your lives are in danger. And I know John is kind of more like, oh, well, you know, let's be a little bit more forgiving for things that are happening and just kind of use this as a teaching moment. It's like... Yeah, but we could all die if we make mistakes. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah. But it's it's a tough thing. I mean, it is. Again, and I mean, you, who knows what we would do in that same situation? So, I I mean, I wouldn't want that job. I wouldn't either. That's for sure. But he just rubs and, me the wrong way. Right now, I just don't like him. So he needs to win me over. Oh yeah, he's kind of he's he's President D. <laughs> <laughs> go we can incorporate our old nickname um, too bad his name's not steve yeah i know uh well i was gonna tie something to that um i mean this kind of reminds me of like post-apocalyptic type worlds too where in these situations i'd really hate to put my life and my faith of survival in somebody else mm-hmm. like i'd almost rather have a small group that you know i of people i can trust i know bigger groups you get a lot of more um you know resources and things but you know, if you have somebody like I think of, you know, when there was Rick Tater in Walking Dead, <laughs> I, I mean, you could probably do the math. He probably got a lot of people killed that didn't need to be killed. Yep. And, you know, those are always the concerns is like, listen, you're wanting to do A. I think A is a horrible idea. If I'm going to die, I want to die on my own terms doing B, which I think is the right idea. Right. Or my family, too. You start throwing your family in there because this isn't just, you know, John on the battlefield where only his life's at risk, it's his kid's life's at risk and his family. And that's right. that's a tough pill to swallow, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll get to see more of that and see if, if this guy kind of comes around a little bit. But I don't like him right now. I kind of, I, but I guess you kind of need someone like that, I guess, to, to just create some tension, create a little bit yeah. of drama. So I kind of get why they have his character being that way. I just don't have to like him. So anyway. That's all I got for my number four. Let's see. So for my number four, I just kind of titled it Flashback. So we get to see, um, you know, when Will was first born. And it looks like he was premature. uh, So he was preemie Will. um, And his mom was sitting there basically. And you didn't see John in any of those scenes. Yeah. So uh, my guess is he was probably overseas or, you know, away from the family at that point. Mm -hmm. Which would be, again, 
you know, having my kid, he was very healthy. We didn't have any real concerns. So like it, it was great that we're both there, but you know, it was just normal parent stuff. Like right. I could only imagine like, you know, if I was gone, you're, you know, my wife gives birth and like, it's a premature. So he's like, you know, in an incubator, not doing well. He actually is losing weight. And here I, you know, she's dealing with all this by herself and we see Maureen doing that. And she kind of makes a promise to him. It's like, you know, if you fight now, like I'll fight for you forever, which is a little callback when she kind of, I think it's when she goes out to uh, do this experiment. So she's trying to save him. Yes. Uh, but you could argue that's exactly why she did the the whole uh, faking his test too. Right. His test results that we saw mm. in, what was that? All the way back in episode one? Was one it? or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause in this, we see the one he fails. He's in that hyperbolic chamber. He kind of like freezes and chokes up and ends up failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know she, it sounds like from the, from the discussions they had, earth is still habitable. Um, Cause they kind of go through it. Let me see if I can find these notes. They, they talk about the pros and cons of it. Right. The, um, no, no more blue skies was repeated a couple yeah, times. No more blue skies. Um, the government's pretty stable. Uh, the new planet, it's habitable, it's paradise, there's no wars, blue sky. The con is it's a one-way ticket, yep. which is very true. Um, you know, let's see, so Earth is, you know, stable, um, no blue skies, not much life. Um, I think something about friends and stuff were there, too, was a pro. Mm-hmm. But it does at this point in time, it doesn't seem like Earth is... Like about to collapse. It sounds like you can live on Earth. It's just not that great. I think Don even mentioned, like Miami. Even though it's not Miami, we know it's still Miami. Right. Well, and it's interesting because you know when you hear or like if you've ever seen any of the disaster movies and they talk about like an asteroid hitting the Earth. And I'm not saying that this is what happened here because we don't know. I don't think what what cataclysmic event happened here. But they always talk like you know if if there's this cloud of dirt and dust that goes into the atmosphere from when the asteroid hits the earth. And of course I don't, I'm not saying this is truly going to happen. I'm just saying what, what, what we know as far as what could happen um, theoretically, this cloud of, you know, uh, dirt covers or goes in the atmosphere and prevents the sun from penetrating Mm. the atmosphere. And then there's no sun. So if there's no sun, nothing grows. So it's like right now the earth might be habitable. You don't have any blue skies. You don't have any sun. It doesn't look like then nothing's going to grow. So maybe they have a way to sustain life for now, but for how long? Yeah. You know, um, and they didn't sound like it was going to, or make it sound like it was going to come back anytime soon. And eventually, yeah, maybe in the next 50 years you can live there, but then what happens after that? Cause they acted mm. like, she's like, you know, there's not going to be much life left for any future Robinsons. Yeah, and so. Maureen may know more about it too. She like maybe the the PR uh, uh, information's out there. It's like, oh yeah, we've got hundreds of thousands of years still. We'll be fine, right. especially since we're sending people off. But she may know it's like actually there's only like twenty five years worth. Right. If we don't get off on this, we're going to be the last Robinsons. I thought it was interesting as well when she her comment because it's the first that we've heard when she says, "Oh, and you know the government seems to be stabilized, you know, right now." And it's like, "Oh, well, what happened? That whatever this event that happened that that's made Earth kind of this disaster sounded like the government was not." Like it kind of, you know, was deconstructed or something must have happened um, in those events. I don't know if we'll learn that or not or if it's important, but I thought that was kind of interesting as well. It's Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not a huge Joe Rogan fan, but 
Kevin Smith was on his podcast, so I listened to it. Mm-hmm. And he talked about like these big events in history. He's like, you know, because there's there's the volcano right now that's erupting in Hawaii. Yes. Um, but they talk about like Yosemite and Yellowstone, and that's how like that's supposedly under, or I think it might be actually under a super volcano. I say supposedly, like it's some kind of fake news or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. I've just heard that on Sci Fi Channel, but I've also seen a mermaid documentary on the Discovery Channel. So take it right. for what it's worth. But like he talked about in that with Kevin Smith, like if these events happen, like all this pity stuff that we think about right now would totally get like thrown to the side and be like, we're, you're basically just trying to survive. Like if that erupts, Mm -hmm. like you're talking about like goodbye, North America, goodbye, South America, like a very catastrophic human of like historical human event. Um, Like he talked about, I, I don't know if it was whatever thousands of years ago when something like that happened. Like, it was down to, like, 7,000 humans who were able to reproduce. Goodness. So you think about, like, humanity going down to that small, and, like, you know, that's kind of what they're dealing with here. But Well, and that's what, you know, and I don't know that this is what happened, but I, I keep talking about, like, an asteroid hitting the Earth, because that's all I can imagine that's happened in this event. Um so took out the dinosaurs, right? Yeah, that what, that's, that's one of the theories, yeah. One of the theories, anyway. I don't know that, I mean, I don't think we've proven anything, because we, we, we can't really prove anything at this point, but I know that's a big popular theory out there. And um, wiped out our dinosaurs. Life on Earth would, it was deteriorating. The ones that didn't, that weren't as close to the impact that got, like, took out instantly, you know, the Earth was inhabitable. So it can happen. Yeah, that's why whenever, I haven't told you this, but whenever I get done editing our show, I send radio waves to space so that <laughs> no matter what, our show will last forever. Nice. <laughs> For future lives, uh, when, when the, the evolution process continues and whatever climbs out of the mud and muck the next time, <laughs> we'll have our show <laughs> to fall back on. <laughs> they worshipped Arima and John. <laughs> Thank God we still have that Strange Indeed podcast to listen to. <laughs> But yeah, my number four, I just kind of tie back to the flashbacks and the, the, the kind of getting more of the puzzles put together. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was really touching, you know, what we got there with Maureen. And I think that's pretty typical of, I mean, not all of us who've had children, you know, have had a preemie situation or have your child have to fight so hard being such a, a tiny baby or anything like that. But I think that's probably something that all of us parents can kind of relate to. Like, you know, I'll fight for you for the rest of your life. That's just kind of like when you see your child born and you, you know, you have all that emotion and stuff swirling around you and you're just like, I will do anything for for you in this life you just feel that rush of love and I'm sure that's where she was probably at that moment and probably just a lot deeper too just knowing that her that Will was in um well Danger Will Robinson right yeah. um this tiny little they baby should, they should market that in like a can for like new parents because like when the kid's waking you up at 3 a.m you just <laughs> open that can and take a breath of it you're like okay I can do this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Need to need to remember those feelings when your when your kid is wailing at three a.m. winning <laughs> <laughs> winning a bottle or a diaper change. <laughs> remember that that joy and love that you felt when they were born. <laughs> As they yeah. fling poo at you, right? Like monkeys. <laughs> They're like monkeys, toddlers, and babies. All right, so my number three, kind of a lot going on with this one. My number three is, again, Dr. Smith. And I always say that with quotations because we know it's not the real Dr. Smith, but we're going to call her that. 
um, I thought it was interesting how it seemed like she was kind of limiting her exposure a lot with a lot. I mean, she kind of did interact with one or two few people, but it looked like she was kind of hanging out on the outskirts of you see all this group effort happening with everyone involved and everyone has a job and everybody's doing their thing and interacting, building this big tower of light, this big lighthouse. And she she's kind of hanging out either with the Robinsons, the folks that already know her, or she's kind of hanging around on the ask. Uh, on the out- outskirts of everything that's happening. And I feel like that's probably for her own benefit to try to like, you know, keep herself on the down low. Like I don't want to be exposed uh, or, or people to, you know, for the Robinsons to introduce her. Oh, this is Dr. Smith. And they're like, that's not Dr. Smith. Yeah. Um, so it seems like she's trying to kind of limit herself a little bit. Um, I think that she's totally in ass covering mode right now. And I'm really mad at her character for how she's like twisting these events, spreading lies, her manipulation and how she's trying to divide the Robinson family. Um, Really was not really happy with her and and how she was interacting with folks and how um, the lies that she was telling. But she's really good at it. I have to kind of admire her skills a little bit because she is smart enough that she knows if you use enough of the truth in your lie that it's yes. more believable uh-huh. and easier to keep track of than if you just lie, lie, lie. You know, you don't have to keep track of the lies because she's using the truth. She's just twisting that truth. Like when she was talking about, um, or like when she ran into Don West. I thought that was interesting. Um and she, she goes and um, I just don't know. I think I'm having a hard time a little bit also with her focus. What do you think her end game is stirring the pot with everyone? Uh, I think it's just survival, really. I mean, this ties into my number one. I called it Don meets Dr. Smith. Mm-hmm. So uh, I put into she's she's using the truth against everybody. Yeah. So she's taking just enough of the truth. She's getting those snippets of what people say or what people do and are using that to, again, like you said, so that, you know, that's the truth. The key to that, I think, is when she asks Don about the Christopher, uh, the St. Christopher necklace. Yeah. Because she asks, she's like, well, do you have my St. Christopher necklace? And it's totally a fishing situation because, like, if he has it, great, she gets it back maybe. Or she might be like, oh, no, you keep it. But he lies about it, I think. I think he still has it. Ah. And what's going to happen is because she's already spreading these lies of, like, he's not the kind of person you think he is. Mm-hmm. At some point, I think she's going to use that to be like, he steals from me or, you know, he did something bad and use that necklace as proof so that everybody stops looking at her and looks to him for her getaway or something along those lines. That's true. I didn't even think. I mean, I thought his face looked a little funny when he was like, oh, yeah, well, I lost it in the storm, you know, Um, thought his face looked a little bit funny, but it didn't. I was so stuck on her that Mm. I didn't even didn't even go there. Well, it's a total scoundrel move. Like at this point, he realizes he's like, you're you're a scoundrel like you are, you know, a. What do you call those people that are bad that trick people? I had a total brain fart. Con artist. What can I think of that? That's it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you're a con artist. Like you're like, I'm like, like semi a con artist. Like I, I smuggle booze into this new planet. <laughs> right. But I don't attempt to hurt people. You on the other hand, don't give a fuck. And that's exactly what you are. And so he probably knows it's like, this isn't your necklace. You, I guarantee that you stole it. And now you're asking for it back. No, I'm going to keep it. And maybe he has some kind of religious tie to it. Or maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to go on that Super awesome planet. I'm going to pawn that off for like 60 bucks. And then I'm going to go back to my nice pad in Miami and buy me a $60 Mai Tai. Get some more scotch. 
Yeah. Well, and I uh, thought it was like, why also, it seems like she just kept lying to everyone. Like she was lying to Will. She was lying to John. It seemed like she was trying to throw a wrench between John and Will's relationship. You know, John and Will have a little bit of tension between them, and it could be just because of, of how often John was gone and was not in Will's life so much. I don't know. But it seemed, you know, they're trying to, like, grow this relationship, and she totally got in between that. And it, I was wondering, is she doing that to isolate Will? Is she wanting Will to be, to, like, trust her, not his family, not his dad, or something. I don't know if I'm if I'm completely way off. I just don't know what her. I know that she's trying to survive and she's trying to like struggle. But it's like, what was her purpose in telling John about the kids hiding the robot, and then telling Will, you know, how she manipulates him, and you know, she has him in the spaceship, and you know, the ro- when the robot comes, and she's he's like, you know, he's not hurting anyone because I told him not to. And she's like, that was a mistake, and you know, she's. It's just I cannot figure out quite what she's doing and what her end game is because she had that little smirk on her face. You know, she kind of turns away from everything. She's got that little smirk on her face and it's like, what are you doing? And maybe we won't find that out yet or, you know, maybe we're not supposed to know yet, but it's just, it's bugging me and I don't like how she's, because I like the Robinsons, you know, and I don't Mm. like someone jacking with their relationships. Well, I mean, they have nothing to be like mad or scared of her for. So she's, you know, building this trust with everybody. And kind of turning everybody against each other. So it's like, oh, well, uh, Judy, you're mad at, you know, Penny. Will, you're mad at your dad. Your dad's mad at you because, but I told you to do this, so you trust me. And I told your dad about it, he trusts me. And nobody's really, like, pointing the finger at her yet. Right. Oh, that's maybe that's what she's trying to do is maybe just take all the attention off of her and bring oh, yeah, up yeah. everyone else's issues and insecurities and, and manipulating them. Don's the wild card because he's the one that can be like, wait, wait, wait a second. Mm -hmm. That's the thing stirring the pot. And she even did a great job with him because as they have their conversation alone, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you made it. Yada, yada, yada. You know, I was scared. I ran. Um, And he's like, why didn't you just tell me kind of thing? And she's like, oh, I, I figured you'd get mad. Like, you know, kind of playing on him like, I feel like he's probably got some interesting story in his past because he seems very caring. He seems like he's got that hard shell, but super soft on the inside. Yep. And she's playing on that, like, oh, no, I like you seem like you're a super violent person. Like, I was scared if I told you you'd do something. Like, you'd hurt me. And kind of playing on his feelings that way to be like, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. And kind of, like, going into more defense mode instead of offense. Mm-hmm. And... Like she's a super like she's a master. She was so good during that scene with Don, uh, because he's like, you know, oh, must been with the flare gun, and um, and she completely turns that whole thing around. Like when you bring up the the Saint Christopher medal, she's like, oh, you know, do you have do you have my necklace? And he's like, no, I lost it in the storm. And he, she's like, that's okay, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. It's like. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? She is so good, <laughs> and it's and it's one of those things like we see, we see all this so like we can smell it like we get like you ooh ooh you right. But if it's a person just talking to you like that, you're like oh, okay. Well, like I, I mean, if it was my necklace, I'd be pissed. And you're kind of like playing into her hand, yeah. And as she walks away or something happens, you're like wait, son of a bitch. <laughs> 
Well, and it's interesting because we know all the information about her. We see everything that she's doing. So I think it gives us as a viewer an interesting perspective. But if you try to put yourself in the shoes of either the Robinson family who only know that she was out there stranded, they saved her from the storm. They don't have any reason to not believe, you know, that she is who she is. Dawn was the only one and now Penny, but even she was even trying to turn it around on Penny by turning it around on Don, like, well, you don't know who he is and he's dangerous. And so you, it's, it's interesting because we have all the information. So it's mm-hmm. easy for us, I guess, to kind of, you know, see how manipulative she is, but everyone other, at least than Don, who, who, you know, his, his like, you know what she, you know, when he was talking to Penny and he's like, so she didn't mention me at all. He save her from the storm. She didn't happen to say, Oh, Hey, there's a, I was with another guy. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. We need to go find him. So, you know, he's definitely learning more about her, but the Robinsons really don't. And she took everything that Penny had on, on, on that. And, and, you know, she completely turned it around to make Don the bad guy. So he seems to kind of have a, like, I think she's suspicious of it. Yeah. Of all the Robinsons and of everybody, I think her and Don kind of have... Well, Don, I think, knows a little bit. I think Judy's starting to kind of put the pieces together, too. Because she's talked to that other lady that was that Don saved, and she told her some stuff I think that she's, like, very confused about. But all it's going to take is that slip-up on that lie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to come back to the brother thing. Because she told the Robinsons that she didn't have a brother. Don she told that she does have a brother. So right. I think that could be the thing to be like, basically like spill all the beans. Like, wait a minute. You told, but you said, mm, we got gotcha. you. Yeah. I think that we're on episode five now and there's, you know, um, it goes up to episode 10. So we definitely have some more story to tell. I think we're definitely going to get some more. Um, I think there's going to be some shit stirring and it's going to get rolling uh, really fast. So anyway, that is my number three. All right. So my number three uh, is kind of like we see a little bit of it here. And it's kind of the rebuilding of the civilization. So, you know, we get to see these solar panels start to go up and they use that to kind of help build a lighthouse. But like it's a huge it's, it's just kind of interesting to think about like this futuristic world. Like you are essentially taking all of humanity and moving it light years away to rebuild society. Man. And the the fear and the amount of work to do that, like even the thought of like it's a one-way ticket. So, you know, uh, there's stories about like back in the day when we were on ships, like places would like go back to Great Britain and be like, oh my gosh, you should come to the town of Seanville. Seanville <laughs> has gold in the streets. There's women everywhere and men everywhere and dogs and cats and horses and in the the streets there's wine that you can drink from goblets of silver and gold and you know they sell all this stuff and be like for ten thousand dollars you can get a one way ticket and somebody's like well I only have two grand and you're like two grand's enough because I like you <laughs> and what happens is they show up and it's like oh this is just the jungle. And there's mosquitoes and malaria and animals that want to kill me. I, you, that very well could be what happens here. That is a very good possibility. I didn't even think of that, really. But, gosh, I don't know. That's... that's I. <laughs> Talking about building, rebuilding civilization, there are, like Maureen was saying in, you know, talking to the kids about when they were having this family meeting and voting on um, going to Alpha Centauri, 
uh, she's telling Judy, like, the best of the best all get to go. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, I really wish we got to meet some of these other folks. We saw that one family for just a little bit, that first family, the the uh, exoskeleton or exobiologist, whatever, specialist, uh, him and his family. There's so many other folks that I wish we got to, maybe we'll get to know them a little bit more, but I feel like there's so many interesting people that we haven't got to meet yet um, because there are the best of the best. Um and I want to know more about what these folks do and who they are and their specialties. Um, Cause you gotta be pretty smart to do that stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's, it's, and I don't know, it doesn't sound like they had to pay anything, but uh, you know, they have belongings and finances on earth. So somebody's getting that. Um, I'm not saying that this is a big con, but, I mean, it'd be interesting to see that, like, Dr. Smith is playing this internal con, and they get to this new place, and it's like, oh, well, this was just a big con. And that, that's where you can start asking questions about, like, well, can you trust humanity? Can you trust other humans and people? Are we all just actually in this together? Are we all out for ourselves? Or, you know, what's what kind of ties can you make to that kind of thought? Right. Well, and even Don was like, well, you know, it's it's not – what you think it is there's still people there and they yeah, brought yeah. all their people problems with them <laughs> so <laughs> it's maybe not the paradise that they think that it is yep grass is always greener right oh it's just mm. as dirty same old bluegrass we got at home <laughs> yeah same fertilizer on it too <laughs> right but yeah my number four or my number three is just kind of the rebuilding of the society that we kind of get a little preview of here yeah um, be interesting to see if they get to stay very long. I, I, I know I don't know a lot about the original Lost in Space. I just wonder if they did a lot of hopping around, like if they would, you know, go from planet to planet. Because it seems like, yeah. like with Marines thing, like we're not gonna maybe be here for very long. So yeah, wondering if we're yeah. gonna be leaving soon. I always got the gist the original Lost in Space was just the family, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I know that's where I was, and it's fine that maybe they're not following it completely like to the letter because i think it's interesting to make it a little bit more up to date and stuff but um yeah i was like i thought it was just the robinsons um didn't know about all these other folks so i guess we'll learn more okay so my number two you talked about it a little bit but it's the confrontation we've been waiting for and for me that was at least for me that um i've been waiting for was that confrontation with um don west and dr smith and I'm looking over my notes. I'm curious. I'm just trying to see if there was something we didn't already talk about. We talked about, I just, she was so good. She's mm-hmm. like, she just on the fly. It seemed like every time she got confronted, like, you know, you said this or what's happening and questioning her, she just can come up with a story. Yep. Just, and like I said, it's, I think it's because she can use the truth. She uses the truth to manipulate it and make it, like her own truth. So she doesn't quite lie when she talks about Dawn, when she's like, when she's talking to Judy, he took off her shoes and he wouldn't yeah. even bury oh, her. Oh God, yeah. You know, making her- I had to bury her. Right. Well, I, I'm not telling you I buried her because I hid Dr. Smith's photo album underneath her, but 
Because that's why she buried her. Right. So she she is using the truth. And there was some truth when she was talking to Dawn, you know, about some of that. I mean, clearly there were some lies there, too. But she was able to take some of that truth and and just lie so well. And I'm just watching this whole time going, wow, it's amazing how well, like, you're just all of a sudden, you just get confronted that you didn't know you were going to, that this person, she didn't know Dawn West was in the camp. She just like, oh, my gosh, there you are. Now I've got to start my story. Um, so I'm wondering how long it's going to take, you know, for all of this to come out. And if, you know, before she does something to trip herself up, I feel like she's good, but the truth always comes out and you get mm-hmm. enough people that this gets exposed to. It's already Judy's suspicious after talking to Don. Don, I don't think is buying her BS at all. I think he's just kind of like, I'm just going to play this out. I'm going to see how far she goes with this and I'm going to wait for my opportunity, especially if she's turning crap around on him like she did like with the with the St. Christopher medal and she's like, "Oh, I forgive you." <laughs> and making people out to think that Don is the bad guy, not her. So I think he's biding his time. Hopefully it's not before it's too late because they already kind of I don't think they really think that he's done anything bad, at least not on the level of Dr. Smith has done, which nobody knows about that except for her. We've seen the bad things that she's done, but they already know that Don's a smuggler. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're already kind of like, you know, oh, well, you know, we wouldn't put it past him to be a bad guy. So yeah, she's already planning that. Something goes something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the first one they suspect. Absolutely. Like, wait a minute. You're not even technically supposed to be off the resolute. What are you doing here? Yeah, definitely. So I, I just, that was... Um, something that I I thought I'm glad we finally had that. I was curious because I'm like, how is he in that camp? She's in this camp. It doesn't look. I don't know how many people. Oh, they said a couple episodes ago how many people, how many survivors were left, and I can't remember, but it didn't seem like that many people, and the camp didn't you look know, that big. Like fifty to maybe a hundred, like maxing out. Yeah, so I was just like, how is she, she's not really high, I mean, she is kind of like staying away from the main crowd, you know, she's kind of sticking back a little bit, and she seems to be hanging around the Robinsons a lot, but I was like, how did you stay out of sight for that long, you know, that that he just now sees you, so I don't know, I just thought, it's about damn time, and whenever it happened, I was like, it's about time, I've been waiting <laughs> for it, so anyway, that's my number two. Yep, and my number two we already talked about was the simulation. So, and my number one we actually already talked about was Don meets uh, Doctor Smith. So, we are just down to your number one, Rima. Oh, well, it's for me the best. It is, this is my true number one this week, and that's the return of the robot. Yes, we know how Comes much I love this robot. I know I was so excited. Um, of course, he shows up just in the nick of time. I know that bugs people. I, I hear so many complaints like, "Oh, it." All, there was just too many just happen uh, moments. Like it was this person just showed up in the nick of time to either prevent something from happening or or something like that. But damn it, I liked it. Um, I kind of expected it a little bit because I thought there's no way uh, John's going to fight this ginormous dinosaur-like creature with that little knife. Yeah, I was expecting either the robot would just show up on his own or he would call him back. Right. So I definitely kind of thought that it was going to happen. Um but I liked it, and I, I I definitely liked it. I was super curious about how Will, because he can't, he seems too far away. He couldn't hear Will. So do you think that they have some sort of, like, uh, mental connection? It's got to be, yeah, some kind of <sighs> telepathic thing. Or maybe he actually was kind of, like, just on the outskirts. Maybe. So like he, 
think he, he did come back. I think he came creeping out of his out of his cave because he was worried about Will. He was yeah. telling Will before he left, you know, Danger Will Robinson. Um, I, I, and I think that that's, I'm not sure I know exactly what the robot keeps talking about. I don't know if he thinks it's Dr. Smith, but he didn't seem to be doing anything. Well, he was told not to hurt anyone. So I don't, yeah. I don't really know why he keeps saying Danger Will Robinson well, and the danger he, he's referring to. He could sense the, the issue with the sun. So he could, could know something's up with that. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, this robot's pretty sophisticated, I think. And so maybe he can tell something is, is happening that shouldn't. So that could be. Um, so the robot comes in just in time. Um, and he doesn't necessarily hurt hurt the, 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 the creature, just kind of shoves him out of the way. Um, everybody's kind of freaking out like, Oh, what happened? And I'm curious to how, to know how many folks know about the robot and what happened on the resolute. I mean, not everybody was there present. I don't think, and just knows that there was a robot. They just know something happened. Like the Robinsons didn't know anything about the robot, um, being there. So I wonder, you know, if the other folks that are there with them in the camp, well, the, the, the president's guy, what's his name? Is it VJ? That, that the president so, yeah, guy's BJ. son, um, he seems to know when because when he saw the robot, he was freaking out. He's like, uh, he, he that's like not he good. should have been more scared if he saw him killing people, though. That's true. But. Maybe just in general, it just scared him because it, it doesn't look um, familiar or something. I don't know. So I'm curious to, to know how if how many people know who he is. But I was totally stressing out because the the creature comes back and then, oh, here comes Big Papa or maybe it's Big Mama. I don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> that comes in. So now he's got two of them and they start ripping him apart. I was like legit yelling at the TV, like, fight back, <laughs> fight back. And um, Will, he's stressing. And that was hard to watch. And, I, you know, I'm just like, tell him it's okay. Tell him it's okay, please. Because I was like about ready to start crying with the robot, like writhing on the ground. And they're like ripping out wires. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't like it at all. I was like, you have to fight back. So Will comes out, gives him the permission. He goes in full Terminator mode. Um, and that was totally badass. Did you like that moment? Yeah, when that was pretty cool. His forearms come red, up. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was going like he was going after the other people too before uh, before Will jumped in. So I know it definitely brings up that concern. It's like maybe he was the robot that did all that damage. I know it, I struggle with that so much. If it was really him, or if he was with a, a group of robots, is he a family of robots? Was he alone? I don't know. Um, but yeah, he went into full mode. It was super cool to see him turn back into his his bad robot self with his forearms and his red face, I'm going to call it. And um and it I he didn't seem to be able to bring himself back. I thought that was interesting. Will had to jump in front of him and it seemed like he kind of grabbed one of his arms. So maybe he could feel that connection. I'm wondering mm. if it's that connection that they have or something that he was able to feel will or something and he's bringing him back and he was able to come back so i wonder if will wasn't there was the robot himself going to be able to turn back around and i don't know it doesn't seem like it i know it didn't but i'm just i'm curious as to what that connection is and and, and hopefully someone will learn a little bit more about the robot and be able to communicate with him i don't know he does seem to be sentient like vj said to penny um, cause he's like, you know, Hey, you see the lights on his face. You know, I think he's aware. And even Dr. Smith, whether or not it's one of her lies or manipulations, but she's telling Will, she's like, oh, I think he knows, you know, what's going on. We, and, and can communicate. We just don't know how to listen yet. 
I think there might even be something to what she said, even though I think most of the time she's full of shit. Um, so I don't know. I loved that whole whole scene and, and loved the robot. And now everybody knows. John knows what happened. John has found out the truth mm-hmm. um, from Will. He got that out of him. So he knows what happened. Um, there could be a few folks that, from the Resolute and all the Jupiters there that knew what happened. Um, so now I think we're really going to get some good stuff going. I'm excited. Anyway, that's all my number one. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I think you covered it pretty well. Oh, the robot. I was so glad to see the robot. Did you ever see the movie? I think it's either Choppy or I Choppy about the robot in no. South Africa. Yeah, it uh, took my wife to see it. This is like two or three years ago, and she kind of teared up in it. It's kind of like a, um, oh, what's the Johnny number five? Oh, don't um, even go there with the short circuit. <laughs> short circuit. Yes. Johnny is alive. <laughs> Johnny Five's alive. <laughs> yes, I cried during that movie. Don't judge. I think I must have too when I saw it. I've only I've only seen it like once or twice. It's been a it's been a minute since I've seen that movie. It was a good eighties robot movie. It had Ali Sheedy. Um and and what was the one guy who was in every eighties movie? He was in Police Academy about. and Cocoon. Yeah. What's his name? Damn it. Anyway, everybody's going to know who he is. Steve Gutenberg. That's who he is. Mm. He was in that in that movie. Good, good movie. Do you have any notes? Uh, the only note I was wanting to bring up is a really good quote. And I feel like there's been times uh, in my life where I'm like, yeah, this is very fitting. It's when uh, President D was uh, talking <laughs> with John. And I can't remember what they're talking about. Or he was asking a bunch of questions. And. He the he the doc, the president pretty much says like listen there's only so many things you can worry about at one time, and I I understand you could be like well no you have to worry about everything President D but in that situation like like I think even like actual president or like government jobs or like certain like super high positions and companies mm-hmm. there is so much going on that you're gonna work yourself into an early grave worrying about every single thing that's happening. So it's kinda like you can only worry about so many things at one time. And I kinda like that little statement. Exactly. Yeah, that's why, you know, one person I mean, yeah, we have like in our world we have a president, one president, but he surrounds himself with lots of advisors. There's a vice president, you know, one person can't do it all on their own Mm. and know absolutely everything and know the best course of action for everything that needs to happen. And, you know, that's why I think that, you know, I just don't know that there's that this person, if he's a singular person that's supposed to think and do everything, he needs to surround himself with some good people. Yeah. Like John. I like John. Got a good well-balanced head on his shoulders. How about you? Did you have any notes? I have notes, but I'm trying to look at some that we haven't already talked about. Um, Something that really annoyed me. So we're in the future. I don't know how far in the future that this is set or anything, but I'm guessing we have some flying uh, spaceships and they're able to establish another world outside of Earth. So we're pretty advanced at this point. We're pretty good in the future. So I was kind of annoyed in the beginning when Maureen was... um, (laughs) like doing her drawings and such when she's in her room she's trying to figure this experiment out trying to test her theory and different things talk about waste of paper (laughs) yeah 
It's a good point. Waste of paper. Care about the environment. Isn't that probably what got Earth in it? Disaster <laughs> like where we're at now. She's got to have some kind of like tablet she could do that on. Or they can a, even make the fake tearing sound. Yes, or even a whiteboard, like a dry erase board or some sort of clear board that you can draw these things out. Nope, I don't like that and just erase it. Let's think. I know that they were trying to make a point here that it was, you know, uh-huh. kind of um, a thing to show, you know, this this consuming thing that was going on with her and this constant drawing and nope and just testing out this theory. I get the purpose of doing it, but I that's it just bugged me because I'm like, that's why the Earth is shit right now because nobody cares about <laughs> the environment. So let's do something here. Um, I like the the cold open you mentioned that with Dr. Smith and the close call with the creature. Pretty good reaction she had. Mm-hmm. Um, I jumped. It kind of startled me a little bit. Totally. Yeah, she was but smart enough to get the hell out of the way. That's one of the things I kind of noted. Like, they're just wandering around this jungle at night that they have no clue what's in it. And they're just wandering through it like it's no big deal. Like, I don't want to wander through the jungles here on Earth, let alone a foreign planet. Exactly. It's it's yeah. I don't like the unknown. I mean, I like mm. exploration. I like adventure, but I you know I kind of like to know a little bit of what to expect. I don't want to have to worry about what might be out there that could eat me. Mm-hmm. Or um, slither under my feet. Ugh. Oh God! Don't even get me started. Um, so yeah, but I did like that cold open. Uh, pretty good reaction out of her. She definitely knows how to survive. Uh, I definitely like some of the cinematography in this episode. That scene where uh, Maureen is spreading out that parachute or hot air balloon, whatever it is, and you have those yellow flowers and this purple grass, and then this beautiful gray sky in the backdrop, and it was just a beautiful scene all of these colors and how they blended together and the wind just a light breeze before the big breeze uh came and blew her uh, balloon away i just thought that was beautiful there's some beautiful scenery um that we have on this on this planet and the colors i think we talked about it in that one episode where the kids were clapping and the flowers were popping out i thought that was super cool you talked about the backstory with will um and the promise that maureen made uh, I like the uh, little uh, continuation of the love train things that we have going on with Judy and Don and mm. Penny and VJ. I thought those were super cute. Um, Sorry, your dad sucks. <laughs> I know. And it was so funny because, like, in that one moment when Penny and Will were talking, she gets that bug stuck in her hair and she starts screaming really loud, and her hair's a disaster. And I'm like, <laughs> Man, I felt so much sympathy because you try so hard to look super cute in front of your crush, right? (laughs) And then, you know, you do something like that and look like a complete nerd. Um, So I really felt for poor Penny because I'm like, girl, we have all been there, believe me. (laughs) We have all had those epic fails in front of the guy that you're, you know, uh, crushing over. Um, I got a total, like, Godzilla slash King Kong vibe when that creature climbed that lighthouse. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. He kind of got up there at the top, was kind of roar, you know, and I was like, oh, it's like King Kong, but he looks like Godzilla. (laughs) So, I love monster movies. I can't help it. I'm a big nerd. Cloverfield Um, and, like, the new Godzilla that came out. Yeah, I'm all over those. I'm all over. I love Godzilla. I don't like Pacific Rim, though. I can't get into that one. I can't. I, it's probably great. I think a lot of people love it. They did make a sequel, and that's great. If you if you love it, I'm happy for you. I just couldn't get into it. Wasn't my thing. But yeah, I love I love a good monster movie. I liked uh, uh, Kong Skull Island was really good. Yeah, I dug it. That was that was a good one. So anyway, that's all my notes. Cool, good notes. Well, good episode. I enjoyed it, but I'm excited to kind of see what 
I'm kind of excited to see the ball rolling a little bit quicker, hopefully. Yeah, I think we're going to. I don't know anything. I don't read anything ahead, and I don't know any spoilers, but a good friend of mine that is watching it, um, she's like, which one are you guys covering this week? And I was like, we're doing episode um, uh, five. And she's like, good. I just did, I think she just watched six and seven. She's like, oh, man. She's like, the sh- shit's really stirring now. Oh, <laughs> I, was good. Like, I was like, good. I was like, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm not there. So that's awesome. Good notes. Good top five. Now a word from our second sponsor of the night. All right, Rima. So my pants have been staying up for a <laughs> long time now. Your poor Thanks wife. Thanks <laughs> to a custom belt that I've been able to use from Laux Leatherworks. So Laux Leatherworks is a, is a custom shop that builds all kinds of leather items, not just belts, but you can get wallets, you can get dog chains, you can get all kinds of cool stuff. And if you check out their websites at www.etsy.com shop slash Laux Leatherworks and use our promo code STRANGE2018, you'll get $5 off anything you buy. Don't see something on the site, but you have something custom in mind? Go ahead and email dlaux at lauxleatherworks.com. And he'll give you kind of some options and you can dus- discuss through that. But again, using the promo code STRANGE2018, you'll get $5 off. Sweet. I like it. I like a good yep. piece of leather. We've got all that information in our show notes, too. So check it out and uh, check out the site. See what you think. Absolutely. I l- you want to talk? We were talking um, before we started recording about the rabbit hole the internet is and you get sucked in. Etsy is one of those things. So oh, yeah. go into Etsy and this in this shop and uh get lost but come back and then listen to our podcast well, um, you can listen to our podcast as you go through etsy absolutely <laughs> we're, we're good background noise okay so we have a couple of news items this week the first one that we have is from the hollywood reporter and this comes from an interview with noah schnapp who plays uh, our lovely young will from stranger things for anyone who maybe doesn't know and hasn't listened to us our uh, bread and butter podcast um is or um show that we podcast on is stranger things so if you hear some stranger things news or about stranger things that might make a little bit more sense to you in case you didn't already know that i felt like i needed to say something about that someone might be going why are you talking about stranger things <laughs> with lost in space <laughs> so this interview the things that we know so far season three uh, of Stranger Things takes place in the summer of 1985. Man, what a year is all I'm going to say. Um, and Noah explains, it's very different this season because it's in the summer, so you kind of get to see a different version of everyone. It's great because it has a lot of the dark parts from season two and a lot of the light, playful parts from season one. One standout star from the previous season of Stranger Things was Lucas's little sister, Erica, played by Uh, Priya Ferguson. According to Schnapp, viewers will be seeing a lot more of her in season three as she was bumped up to series regular. He hinted she definitely has a bigger part this season and she kind of has her own storyline with someone from the cast. Oh, nice. Yeah, man, she was a little whippersnapper. Uh, She was a firecracker. That's for sure, little Erica. All right, so this next article comes from People. I'm guessing this is People Magazine? This is from People. Yeah, People.com, People Magazine, and it was uh, an interview with David Harbour. So David Harbour is getting candid about his experience with mental illness. During a lengthy interview with Mark Marion for the comedian's WTF podcast, the Stranger Things star opened up about dealing with anxiety, self-hatred, mania, fear, and sobriety, and revealed he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at 25 after being committed to an asylum. 
Harbor 43 said his mental health was actually tied to his early preoccupation with spirituality. Here's the interesting thing, which I've actually never truly spoken about publicly, he said. I actually was in a Catholicism thing, and I was sober for like a year and a half. I was 25, and I actually did have a manic episode, and I was diagnosed as bipolar. I really had like a bit of a break where I thought I was in connection to some sort of God that wasn't really in connection to. He continued, it was like I had all the answers suddenly. Asked if he was on drugs at the time, Harbor said no. He said, the interesting thing about it was that I realized I don't really need them. He said, that I have the capacity to see the elves in the corners of the, of the room if I really allow myself to go there. So I, was a- so I actually was, by my parents, taken into the mental asylum. I have one thing to say about the mental asylum, he continued. I've romanticized two things in my life and both have fallen short. One is being in a mental asylum. Really, really not as fun as you think it is. You do have a romantic idea of it, and it just ends up being sad and smells like shit. And the other thing was boating. I recently went out on a (laughs) ship in open water, and I'd read Moby Dick a million times, and it really is not sexy. It's very similar to a mental asylum experience. Uh, Have you ever been to a mental asylum, he added. The only thing that defines a crazy person and a normal person, because you can seem very normal as a crazy person, is they're convinced they're sane. Crazy people are convinced they're sane. It's incredible. Wow. I thought that was quite incredible that he opened up about that. I had no idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've got that episode uh, on my uh, phone right now. I haven't listened to it yet. But. I do too. Well, you know, if David Harbour's in it, I'm going to be listening to it. So I've, I've downloaded it. I just, I don't get an opportunity to listen to podcasts hardly anymore. I'm bummed. But yeah, it's, it's I've got it downloaded. So I'm waiting for a good time when I've got some time to listen to it. Um I, you know, I, I love Mark Maron's uh, WTF podcast, and I bet that's a really good one. So awesome. So the next piece that we have are messages from the Resolute. They found our lighthouse, and they're sending us messages. <laughs> and the first one that we have is an email. Starts out, hi, guys. Here are my thoughts for this week's episode five. Uh, number one, in the beginning of episode five, at first view, I thought Dr. Smith should have died in the forest by the lizard creature. It was right next to her. I thought it was attracted to light, but it wasn't. It was attracted to the moth. That's why it ate the moth near her hand and kept moving on even when the flashlight in her hand gave her position away. This is why the lizard thing climbed the light tower, not because of the light, but because it was after the moths. Do you agree with that? I think I, so. I that, agree that with my that. assumption. I would agree with that, too. So we like your number one. Number two, in the original Lost in Space, the Robinsons put a force field around the Jupiter 2 when unknown threats were in the area. They looked the same as the ones they use in this reboot. I call them tiki torches. I don't understand why no one questioned why the force field was down before or after the lizard thing got in. How could that be? Uh, I think that's probably what that actually, you know what, that might be the uh, question that gets Don in trouble. It could be. Because where was he when all this was going on? I think that that's going to be something good that Dr. Smith is also going to use and, yes, pull out of her toolbox and blame him for because people are already, or at least the Robinsons a little bit are already kind of suspicious. So, yeah, and maybe they were kind of dealing with the whole monster thing and then here's the robot thing. So maybe they haven't had time to question. Maybe in next episode they'll question. I like the Tiki Torch reference, by the way. Uh, So number three, how is Will communicating with the robot? Is it a telekinesis thing? If so, why did he have to run out of the Jupiter 2 to tell it not to harm humans when he could just, or he could have just called it from a mile away? What do you think? 
I think there is yeah. some sort. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We think there is some type of mental connection that you know, and even Doctor Smith seemed to think that, that there was some sort of special connection because she's like, "Call for him, Will. Call for him." She wanted the robot to come to the camp. She wanted the robot to come. She, um, I think anyway, and wanted it to cause chaos. Um, it's like we talked about anything that throws the attention off of her and anything that can be seen as bad um, and get the attention off of her being a bad person, I think is what she's looking for. So she even kind of knew that it would hear Will, but I don't know if that will be explained or not. Number four, I think Dr. Smith is a psychopath. I would agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> she has no fear. The reason she was wandering outside like she was on Earth, she cares for no one. This was proved by the way she treated her sister. She can lie on the fly. Hey, I like it. Uh, Ooh, look, how, like that, yeah. look how she conned Dawn, the way she lied <laughs> to Penny about Dawn, and the way she manipulates Will. I'm not oh, sure. Man, you kind of you started falling from your, uh, your rhyming there. I know. They had a good thing going there. Uh, try again next week. Um, he goes on to say, I'm not sure she has an end game. I think she just gets off deceiving everyone. What do you think? Uh, this is from Darnell. Thank you, Darnell. Hmm. I, I think she has an end game. I think it all ties into her, uh, one, trying to survive. Because she had to get off Earth because I think she w basically used up all her resources there. Uh, and now she's trying to find new resources on her way to this planet. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that she's, I think it's probably a twofold. I think that she does have an end game. What that is, I think it's probably just at this point survival, get the attention off of her. Yeah. Um, but I also do think she enjoys stirring the pot. I think that she, yeah. you know, is and uh, could be considered maybe a narcissist. She doesn't seem to have much care for anyone but herself. Um, so I think it's probably twofold. I think that she's getting a kick out of, you know, deceiving everyone while she's throwing that attention off of herself. Um, one last thing we did have a voicemail from Steve. Hey, Raymond and Sean, it's just, uh, Steve wanting to leave some feedback on uh, the latest episode of Lost in Space. You guys are covering uh, transmission. Uh, I love this scene between Don and, and Dr. Smith. Uh, I don't think he buys what she's laying down. Um, and I, I, I noticed something in the last episode that she wears that hooded cape a lot. I wonder if that's a callback or a homage to that dreadful Lost in Space movie, or if it's just a, uh, a coincidence because <laughs> the Dr. Smith in that had like a hooded cape and thing on. Um, I, I hope Penny's not becoming too much of the comic relief. It, it looks like they're, she's not getting as much to do skill-wise as she should be. And, uh, and then finally, you guys were talking about the Victor guy. I think he was just elected as, like, their colony representative. Like, it seems like that's what Penny said in the last episode, that uh, her mom and dad didn't vote for him. But I don't think he's, like, president or anything. I think he's just, like, of their particular group. It sounds like, like each group has its own representative to the colony. And that sets up an interesting political situation when they get there. Cause who is actually in charge, what country is in charge, what nation and all that, uh, I think is interesting. Probably never hear about it, but I just thought it was interesting. Anyway, talk to you guys later. Bye. Cool. Great. Great phone call. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Super awesome. As always, Steve, thank you so much. Oh, I guess now I need to go like try and look that up a little bit and just find out if that, if that's true, what he said, as far as, um, this dude's a representative, like we have our representatives um, for local kind of government-ish yeah. type thing. and That's not what, I don't know if it's just 
them getting there and then once they get there he kind of just like he might have like political clout then but right for now it's just kind of the leader to get them there right yeah because i'm kind of confused exactly what he is just because they do say well we're not on um alpha centauri yet you know you're not in charge oh, yeah. yet so i i don't know i'm kind of confused hopefully i maybe i can find that out without reading any spoilers it's so difficult when you look up news for these types of shows that all the information's out there you have to be careful <laughs> what you mm. click on because i don't want to be spoiled about anything i hate spoilers awesome thank you everyone so much for your feedback i love interacting with you guys when you guys write us in on facebook and i enjoy emailing you guys and i love all the voicemails that we get so thank you everyone for taking the time to um uh, talk with me and sean and give us your insight because i love um everyone's perspective thanks guys yeah thanks everybody love the emails and if you want to leave us a voicemail you can record it on your phone and just send it to us an email we'll get you in there just like we did steve absolutely and what i love about it is because i will record myself if i'm going to like five times because I never like what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's the cool thing about that voice memo is like, if you don't like what you said, just delete it and do it again. And when you got your final product that you like, send it our way in email. All right. So next week we'll be covering the sixth episode from Lost in Space titled Eulogy. Oh. So Maureen debates whether to share what she saw in the sky. Don leads a mission to find fuel and the robot's presence stokes tensions within the group. Gosh, eulogy, that sounds depressing. Yeah, That's like usually eulogies are kind of a, they're a celebration to an extent at sometimes too, but it's usually a celebration at the end. Because someone died. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I hope that's not going to happen. Um, well, we're really excited for you to join us on Jupiter 2 while traveling through space. You can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Westworld Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and in all the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, check out Westworld Cast. Uh, Jason and David, oh my gosh, if that podcast didn't exist, I'm not sure I could watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have something, a companion to that show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. And make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show, Episode 40, Transmission. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Steve Brown is strange indeed. Thank <laughs> you.